Well, good morning again, Redeemer King. Um, it's great to be with you. We're going to continue our series from Nehemiah. And actually, this will be probably the last preach that I do from this room. Just in case you're there thinking, what's the last preach he's ever going to do? It's actually the last preach I'm going to do from this room because Karen and I are going to be moving by the end of this month. Our, our new chapter, our new season, our new adventure as we uh, seek to pioneer some work with the Edge and RK and various other agencies over in Staveley. So we'll be moving over to Inkersall in due course. So um, next time I'm recording will probably be from um, a kitchen, I think, but we shall see. Anyway, we're continuing our series in Nehemiah, and as ever, this book has been so timely for us. So this is Nehemiah chapter 9, and it's verse 32, and we're just going to get straight into this today and, and see what the Lord brings to us. So let me read this. Yeah, this is coming at the end of this mighty prayer uh, that they're all praying before the Lord after the rebuilding of the wall. And now, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, do not let all the hardships we have suffered seem insignificant to you. Great trouble has come upon us and upon our kings and leaders and priests and prophets and ancestors, all of your people. From the days when the kings of Assyria first triumphed over us until now. Every time you punished us, punished us you were being just now just to cut in here this is a markedly different attitude we're seeing here from what we often see today um, these people have been humbled and they've been through trials their ancestors have been through slavery there is no pity party happening here there is no um, it wasn't me it was everyone else's fault there is no seeming anger at God. There is just a, what happened to us? Our bad. That was our fault. And anything you did to us, any punishment you brought upon us, we deserve that. Now that, that attitude of humility and robust brokenness before the Lord enables him to start to rebuild us and communities and people around us. The pity party mentality that we so often see in today's culture actually breaks us, pulls us apart and other people around us. We have seen greatly you gave us only what we deserve. Our kings, leaders, priests and ancestors didn't obey your law or listen to the warnings in your commands and laws, even while they had their own kingdom. They did not serve you, though you showered your goodness on them. You gave them a large fertile land, but they refused to turn from their wickedness. And we're seeing this here again. Now, I've mentioned this a few times in the last couple of months. One of the great problems with the human condition is that we think we know best. But what these people had done, they'd walk through the rubble and they know that God knows best. And sometimes to really know our need of God, we've got to walk through the rubble 
and they had walked through the rubble of the walls of Jerusalem, their ancestors had walked through the rubble of slavery, and God by his grace enabled them to rebuild out of the rubble, and now they were humbled. And they realised that all the anguish and angst and problems that were visited upon them were actually largely their own doing. And if they had lived God's way, maybe things had turned out better. Now here's the thing. Some of you are new to the faith, so let me point this out. And as a reminder to all of us, there are two ways you can approach your faith. One is this. Let's look at how the world is speaking to us and culture. And then we turn to God's word and we try and understand God's word through the filter of how we want to live. Or can say here's God's word God knows best I'll try and understand how we live through the filter of the word of God this is why when I preach I'll always start wherever possible with the word and I'm not trying to give you my ideas they're, they're my views of what God's saying to us through his word not my ideas then try and find a verse to fit and that means we have to cross the pain barrier. There are, there are things that God believes about our lives and what will bring the best to us that might actually fly in the face of our culture today. But if we live according to his word, then actually we will do well by that. If we don't, then we find ourselves in a situation of increasing piles of rubble that one day we'll have to climb out from and acknowledge our need of God. That's what's happening here. They realised that they needed God's word, his laws, his precepts. They needed to live according to his ways, but they had to go through the rubble to experience it. I'm trying to say to you, don't let your life go into the rubble to experience it, to understand your need of God. You can avoid that by, by choosing to live according to the word. So now today we are slaves in a land of plenty. Verse 36, that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. The lust produce of this land piles up in the hands of the kings who you set over us because of our sins. You know, I was just saying, you gave us this land of milk and honey. And we pleaded to go back into slavery because we thought we knew best and it was never good enough. And you were gracious to us, and then we sinned, and you were gracious to us, and we sinned, and you were gracious to us, and we sinned. And now we find ourselves in this lush place, but as slaves, we have other people sat over us. They have power over us and our livestock. We serve them at their pleasure, and we are in great misery. Verse 38. The people responded, in view of all this... We are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. On this sealed document are the names of our leaders, Levites and priests. Well, this is absolutely fascinating. You've got to hear a group of people who are suddenly realising their need of God and they're so determined not to go back to the ways of their past, they're even going to put a document out about it. Two observations that occurred to me on this sealed document, the names of leaders and Levites and priests. 
people put their individual names to what they wanted to change. It seems to me that we need to have corporate responses and individual responses. You are responsible for your own life and doctrine. I need to make this absolutely clear. I, as a senior leader of the church, am not a spiritual policeman. I'm not policing your lives. No one on the leadership will do that. I'm absolutely clear about that. No one's going to turn up on your doorstep and say, you shouldn't be living like this and you should be doing that. We're not going to do that. We will warn, we will rebuke, we'll encourage, we'll cheer you on. We'll whisper into your ear, oh, I don't think that's what you should be doing. But no one's, no one's going to put spiritual handcuffs on you. That's a cult. We're, we're not those people. Our job as a leadership, and my job in particular, is to keep the temperature hot, to keep us focused on Christ, to woo you towards him, to see that following him is the better way, uh, and, and to draw those who don't know him closer, to, to keep us focused on prayer, worship, mission, keep our eyes on his word to understand his ways and to to stand up against the challenges that the church face as the culture seeks to increasingly put pressure on what we believe as christians that's my job but i can only encourage you warn whisper in your ear get alongside you i i, I can't make you nor should i make you live a certain way that that as i said is a cult and we are not a cult we are a rescue mission in Chesterfield that loves people, that's full of grace and compassion, loves to worship the Lord, loves to pray, loves to be in his presence and longs to be in community with each other, which is why it's been so tough for us during this strange time. You are responsible for your own walk. That's that. It's to, down to you to keep yourself in a place of worship, prayer reading the bible yeah, god has given you everything we need we, we we help us stay focused as leaders keep the atmosphere right keep the temperature hot listen to god's will his heart listen to what heaven's saying to us and and press on in mission but the church is made up of individuals who covenant together to be a family of god's people it's your call uh, we, we can't live that life for you. It's your individual choice to be grafted into the vine, to stay on the narrow path, to pursue Christ with passion, to keep the spiritual disciplines and the rhythms of worship and prayer daily flowing through your life, to choose joy, to choose the opposite spirit of grace and forgiveness and believe in the best and give them the benefit of the doubt. Each of us is responsible for our own journey. And so there's this individual response here where they put their names down. They made their own choices as individuals. Each one had to choose to put his name down and sign to it. But there is a corporate responsibility too. And I've always found this quite fascinating. There is a story about a man called Achan in Joshua. And to cut a long story short, because, because of time, um, I don't want to be on keeping on zoom calls for a long period of time and we're doing this all week as well often but there is a story about Achan let's just look it up in Joshua where he broke one of God's commands not to one of the orders in battle not to steal items of plunder and he did 
And the anointing of God as a result of one man's sin came off the whole army of God's people. And they suffered a defeat. It wasn't even a big defeat, but they, they suffered a defeat which they'd not been used to. And they stoned him and, and his family and they wiped out any remnant of this guy, including his livestock. It's back in the day, pre-cross, pre-resurrection. It was like cutting out a cancer. The sin was infecting the camp. It's hard for us to understand in our time, but, but that's what they did. Your individual actions and sin can affect the whole community of God's people. I'll never forget once in the church I was leading before where things were going really well and the offerings were really good. <laughs> Money was flowing in and people were getting saved and suddenly we got into a season where it wasn't so easy. And this prophet got in touch and said, I believe one of your leaders is, is being financially inappropriate. And, and, and something got uncovered and that was true and we dealt with that graciously, but we confronted the issue that was happening. And suddenly people started getting saved again and the offerings started going up again. But I was never saying anything from the front about it. Your individual actions can have a corporate impact. Now, obviously, things like gossip, um, anger, rouse, dissensions have obvious impact but sometimes the things hidden in our lives, not every time but sometimes the things hidden in our lives hidden, can have corporate impact on God's people so we have an individual commitment that we can't force you to <laughs> live by to be a person of God but your choices in the background also have corporate impact you're part of God's kingdom, part of a family of God's people, we have a responsibility to walk the narrow path with Matthew 7 because it's not just about you. Your conduct has a massive impact on, on the family of God that he's placed you into, which for now it's Redeemer King. Until God has really all his chess pieces, maybe moves us to another side of the world, this is where he's placed us. Through thick and thin, we hang in there with each other. But our conduct has a massive impact. The other thing I just wanted to say about this passage, um, try and expand on really, just briefly, was the way in which it seems to me that all the troubles of the people's past doesn't seem to define their present or future. They're acknowledging their time in slavery, their rebellion, turning their backs on God, not sticking to his word. Uh, through this prayer, they gave some reasons why that happened. But there is a determination to move on. In view of all this, we make a solemn promise and put it in writing. Things are going to change now. Just feel like I need to say, 
Don't let your past define your present or your future. Through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can have a new future. Sometimes we carry our past solidly into our present and our future. Even things we might have done wrong six months ago, a year ago, things that have fell upon us six years ago, 10, 20 years ago. Many people still allow those poor and bad and hurtful experiences, even stuff that's self-inflicted, to define their current reality, even their identity. And you can tell that when people say, my this or my that, I, this is what I am, or this is what I did, and you, I am that person. No, you're not. You're a new creation in Christ. If you put your faith, hope, life, and trust into the hands of Christ, if you have what we call repented of your sin, in other words, done a U-turn and chosen to live a new way, with a new hope, new sense of destiny, new sense of life, then you are new in every respect. You can shake off the shackles of the past and embrace a bright new future and destiny. You are not the person you were yesterday. You are not the person you were 10 years ago. Yes, maybe acknowledge your story, but that doesn't define who you are today. They acknowledge their past here, but they are looking to a new future and this was pre-Jesus we have Christ his death and resurrection if you've given your life to Christ it's all dealt with the slate has been wiped clean you can live with a new sense of hope and a new sense of purpose and a new destiny and just maybe we could respond in some way like we do see here in verse 38 where they make a solemn promise and the Bible says, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Maybe you need to say yes again to Jesus today. And no to the ways of the past. And realise that what has been before has now gone. It's a new day. And that's something we have to regularly come to, to be honest with you. But I think what I'd like to do to, to finish today is pray. I'd just like us to pause in God's presence. So wherever you're sitting now, whatever you're doing, just stop. If you're going into a routine of prepping dinner while you're listening to this or whatever it is, just stop. Pause. Think through the things I've just been saying. Are you living as a new creation? Acknowledging the past but not letting it define you. Make a good individual choice now to follow Christ, to dig into his word, to worship, pray. Think about the impact of your actions on the wider body. Is there anything you need to put right. Do we need a fresh awakening 
of God's mercy towards you today. Let's pray. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, you'd come. And if there's anything you want to particularly illuminate to people, right now, wherever they are, anything you want to shine a spotlight on, would you do it now, God? Would you pour out your spirit onto any person that listens to this talk? Fill them with your joy, your hope, your peace, your grace. Help people step into a bright new day, a new hope, new future, new destiny with you. We say, come Holy Spirit. Be super present with us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a blessed day, wherever it is you are, whatever you're doing. God bless you.